We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Good to be with you on the program today. We're going to have a uh, packed show with uh, a special guest on with us in the uh, second segment here in about 15 to 18 minutes. Uh, Jay Green with the Heritage Foundation will be back on the core with us to continue our discussion on this gender dysphoria nonsense that is being that is percolating our, our society, our culture, and how the so-called medical professionals that are supposed to be helping people are actually, in many cases, doing the opposite. And we'll bring in some stories to back that up. So we'll have on Jay Green with us in the second segment from the Heritage Foundation. Well, our scripture, um, before we jump to our scripture, I do want to mention um, that we are live streaming the video on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. That's the URL. We're also on Facebook. Just go to AFA at the Course Facebook page, and you can watch the show there as well. Both of those places, we're live streaming the video. And, of course, we do publish a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can go to your podcast store, find the core podcast and subscribe that's the quickest way to get the podcast pushed out to your device every day of the week and uh, we do air a special on each saturday on american family radio network well moving um into our scripture for today we're in psalm chapter 33 and i'm reading out of the esv version the uh verses that i've been been pointing to. I did this Monday, and then we had Rick Green in with us uh, hosting the show Tuesday and Wednesday. And so back to what we discussed on Monday of the week, uh, verse 10 uh, through about 12-ish in Psalm chapter 33, verse 10 says that the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let the people whom he has chosen at his, as his heritage. Uh, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Uh, so you see here in verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. Uh, that really brings me... A, a, a great degree of satisfaction and confidence that though man schemes, man strategizes, uh, man seems to do everything to thwart the will of the righteous, uh, God gets the final say. God has the final say. How does he have the final say? It says 
that the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, and he frustrates the plans of the people. So the Lord is our ultimate authority, our ultimate power, and uh, he can bring man's schemes to a screeching halt at his command. That's Psalm chapter 33, verse 10, 11, and 12. Well, the um, Truth for Youth Bible campaign is what we have going on this week. We've been doing this for 22 years here on American Family Radio Network, and our goal is to get as many Bibles into the hands of America's youth as possible. That's our goal, and our goal this week specifically is about sixty to 65,000 Bibles. That's how many Bibles we want to put into the hands of youth. So we are uh, partnering with Revival Fires Ministries, and we're uh, sending these Bibles to you for free. So if you know a teen, 13 to 18 is our age range, 13 to 18. If you know a teen in that range, 13 to 18, you can order a free Bible. We'll uh, pay for shipping, and the Bible will send it to you if you promise to give it to a teenager um, in your area or teenager that you know, or take it to school. Um, have your teen take it to school and give it to one of their friends. Truthforyouth.com is that URL. Truthforyouth.com is where you can go and fill out the form. It takes you just a couple minutes. We'll send you a free Bible. It's a Truth for Youth Bible for uh, teens ages 13 to 18. You can also um, call the uh, call uh, the 800 number, and uh, we will be sure to uh, uh, send it that way as well. So if you want to do that, just call 800-733-4737, 800-733-4737. That's 800-733-4737. If you call that number, we'll take your information, we'll fill your information, and mail you a free Bible in our Truth for Youth uh, campaign. We've uh, par- In partnering with Revival Fires Ministries, uh, over the last 22 years, we've uh, given away well over a million Bibles to youth across this country. So we're going to continue doing this. And there are testimony after testimony of God using his word to reach America's youth with the hope of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're doing this week. Truthforyouth.com is that URL. You can go and order your free Bible. Well, moving into some of our stories, you know, this... um, this uh, raid of the former president's residence is unprecedented, and that's a pretty obvious statement there. And by the way, the Department of Justice and the FBI really haven't said anything. They've been mum. They've been silent. Biden's White House claims that he knew nothing about it, but raise your hand if you believe that. I mean, who really thinks that the corrupt Biden administration didn't know anything about them going to raid Donald Trump's residence in Mar-a-Lago. Nobody believes that. Remember all the scandals that Obama claimed he knew nothing about? Obama claimed that he knew nothing about Russiagate, about the Russia hoax, and the FBI going after Donald Trump as a political candidate, wiretapping his Trump Tower, remember that? They, they mocked Donald Trump for claiming that. And as it turns out, President Obama was in on that from the get-go. They were having Oval Office meetings, scheming. Remember that word, scheming? They were scheming to take out Donald Trump politically. 
um, from the very early days of Donald Trump being a political candidate, well before he was president, uh, they were scheming and plotting, and it all started from the very top of the Obama administration. Well, speaking of the Obama administration and the Clintons, by the way, let's look back at all of the scandals that took place under Obama and with Hillary Clinton. And we could even go back to the Bill Clinton days, but who needs to do that, right? We don't need to go that far back to bury the Clintons and the Obamas in scandals. We can just look at the Obama administration and the eight years that Obama spent in the White House. All right, so let's go through this. And this is by no means an extensive list. By no means is this an extensive list, but let's go through it. All right, so first off, we have the IRS targeting scandal. So we have Lois Lerner. We have the Internal Revenue Service. By the way, they've got 87,000 new agents. I sure hope that they process returns, that they process phone calls into the IRS building a whole lot quicker now that they have doubled the number of agents there. Because when you call the IRS today, you wait two to three hours to talk to an agent. And once you get to the agent, who knows if they're really going to be able to help you or not, right? <laughs> it might not be their department. They may need to forward you to another department. And so, but I doubt that's going to happen, right? I doubt that's going to happen. A little bit too optimistic there. But the IRS under Obama, they were going after conservative groups. Any group, and this is from, from court filings and FOIA requests, any group that had the term or the word liberty, freedom, things like that, uh, they were slow walked. So if you're applying for um, for IRS status, for some type of IRS status, whether it be nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera, they were slow walking these applications in order to frustrate the conservative movement and the Tea Party movement under the Obama administration, which is clearly illegal. They were targeting taxpayers because they don't like their politics. That was under Obama. So that's one scandal. Uh, we also have Fast and Furious. Remember that? Fast and Furious. Our brilliant FBI and Department of Homeland Security, well, they were giving guns to the cartels. No, 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 no joke. They were selling guns to the cartels with the supposed aim of having these firearms tracked so they could, they could bust up the cartels. As if we don't know where and when the cartels operate. We know exactly where the cartels operate. They operate in Mexico, and they run the entire country. And so we don't need to funnel firearms into the cartels to figure out what they're doing and where they're operating. That was one scandal. And by the way, as Bobby had noted weeks ago, one of those firearms that was sold by the United States government to the cartels, one of those firearms were used to murder a Border Patrol agent. That's the scandal, folks. That's the scandal. A firearm purchased by the U.S. government was used to murder one of our own federal agents. Moving on to the scandal list. Uh, President Obama's Secretary of State, i.e. Hillary Clinton, she, uh, well, well, she was involved in a high-profile case in which she improperly set up a private email system inside her <laughs> her bathroom. No joke. 
To evade ordinary government oversight, to evade FOIA request. <laughs> uh, then she went on to uh, destroy those devices with hammers. I'm not making this up. Moving down the scandal list, um, let's see. Uh, Obama's men at the Veterans Affair or Veterans Administration, they oversaw a system in which our servicemen lost their lives to bureaucratic incompetence and medical negligence. Then they falsified records to cover it up. So that's the VA scandal. We all remember that. Veterans were dying because they had to wait six months to see a doctor at the VA. But, but the VA needs more money. The VA needs more money. No, the VA doesn't need more money. They need people to go to jail. And so that was a cover-up from the Obama administration. Another one was when the Obama administration used the DOJ, the Department of Justice, to spy on James Rosen, the Fox News reporter. Remember, they spied on James Rosen. They also spied on the Associated Press, and the Associated Press is still going to bat for the lefties. And so that's just to name a few. How many homes were raided over all of those scandals? Well, zero. No homes were raided over all of those scandals. And probably one of the most egregious scandals was Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, refusing to turn over all of her 33,000 emails that she wiped clean. Well, CNN didn't believe that she destroyed her iPads and computers with hammers. So let's listen to clip four. This is a flashback of CNN going to bat for Clinton and fact-checking a conservative on this claim. Somebody who is absolutely disqualified from becoming president. They destroyed blackberries with hammers in the State Department. That's not what That's, won the presidency. Actually, and that, by Evan, the way, Evan, Evan, no, Evan, hold on. Way, the report the, hang on, that hang came on, out in the Hang on, hang on, hang on, Evan Perez. Hammers, fact-check that for me, please, on the fly. Uh, yes, they did, Brooke. Uh, as so. as, uh, <laughs> as did. you mentioned, there were uh, 13 devices, mobile devices, and five iPads that the FBI said that in some way were used with her private email server, and they did, in some cases, just destroy them with hammers when they were done using them. <laughs> so the Clinton crew, they did destroy all the devices that these government emails were on, and CNN tried to fact check. And it just didn't work out in their favor. So the Obamas and the Clintons have a plethora of items that need to be raided over. But no, we've got to go after Donald Trump over National Archive records. This is an absolute joke. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Winter is a great time for reflection and renewed focus on our relationship with God. Shorter, darker days reveal that the need for increased light both in our world and in our prayer time is key. Work to establish prayer routines with your daughter. Teach her to take in God's Word, reflect on it, and enter into dialogue with you. Standing in the Word can include reading scripture, intercessory prayer, and even listening to Christian music that can move hands and feet in rhythm with the Word. The Book of Romans states, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing the Word of Christ. However your daughter incorporates reflection into her prayer time, it is sure to be a time of blessing and favor for her. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, I want to introduce our next guest. Uh, We have on with us now um, Jay Green. He's a senior research fellow over at the uh, Heritage Foundation. Uh, Jay, welcome to AFA at the Core. Thanks for having me on. Well, Jay, uh, before we jump into uh, the the area that you focus on, which is mostly education policy, and uh, and you've written extensively on the uh, ch- transgender movement and the quote-unquote gender-affirming care, uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at the Heritage Foundation. Sure. So, actually, I've been a professor for most of my career. Uh, I was... Uh, Distinguished professor and department head at the University of Arkansas for 16 years. Uh, um, I have a PhD in political science from Harvard and I've been bouncing around different universities over my career, but I've also been in think tanks. So I was at the Manhattan Institute for a decade and now I'm at the Heritage uh, Foundation. Um, and I have to say, you know, it's, it's, you have to leave academia to actually have freedom to, to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, People think uh, academic freedom is uh, is found in universities, but it's actually found in think tanks. Mm, that's actually disappointing for the universities. Um, it, hey, it is. It hey, is. hey, Jay, um, I'm glad we do have the think tank, so I'm, I'm glad you're able to express yourself and thoughts freely over at the Heritage Foundation. Um, you wrote a, a recently a report about how, and I, and it's 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 crazy that we're looking to the UK for our common sense approach to gender dysphoria. Uh, But you wrote recently about how 
in America, we actually could look over at the UK and pick up on their recent response uh, to gender dysphoria and how do you handle people who are struggling with their sexual identity. Uh, what did you uh, uh, take away from uh, what the UK put out on this topic? Sure. So, so the the UK started uh, what's called gender affirming care, that is providing puberty blockers and cross sex hormones to people who felt like their bodies did not conform to their sexual identity. They began doing the, these interventions about a decade earlier than we did in the United States. So they've had more of a track record with doing this and how it's gone. And basically, they've discovered that it has not gone well, um, that they were pushing kids onto puberty blockers too rapidly, that they were not addressing the underlying mental health issues that a lot of these kids had, um, and it was leading to some very serious health and uh, psychological problems. And so they have now shut their national gender clinic uh, and they're revising their approach to try to emphasize mental health care more because a lot of these kids are coming uh, to these clinics really with, with depression and anxiety problems, and it's manifesting uh, in, in, in them seeking to change their, their sexual identity. But they, what they really have are just difficult psychological difficulties that could be addressed without having to give them puberty blockers or hormones. That's what they're realizing in the UK. In the US, because we're a decade behind, we're going all in on gender-affirming care. We're opening more clinics and we're pushing more kids onto these drugs. Um, and it's also being facilitated at school. So the, the first step is really what's called social transition, where kids change their names, change their pronouns, change what bathrooms they use, what sports teams they're on, and that's being done at schools first, and then the kids go to the clinics and get the drugs. And so we, I think we can crack down on this really mental health craze that's going on mm. by, by preventing schools from facilitating social transition in secret from parents, which is really what they're doing quite often now. They're, they're concealing the social transition from parents. You know, Jay, this is um, this is this is egregious on a, on its own level because with with ideological influencing, you are uh, such as we see on our on our college campuses at times, and and with uh, what media pushes on American society as a whole. Um, that's one level of ideological promotion or. Uh, it's really discipleship uh, to a certain extent, secular discipleship, but and, and that that has a that has an effect on how people view themselves, how people view the world, and how they approach the issues of the day. So that's its own issue, and we do talk about that on the show. But this this approach, Jay, begins to physically alter the quote unquote solution. Begins to immediately physically alter, and these are unchangeable acts physically alter peop, young people's bodies and their, 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 their bodily makeup in, in such a manner that it's, un, it's unchangeable. I mean, at least with ideological uh, promotion and education, you can at least begin to uh, help people to think right again. But with this, Jay, some of these acts that they're doing where they're 
having these uh, hormones injected into these young people's bodies where they're having a surgery. So a lot of this stuff, Jay, you can't take back. That's right. I mean, look, the, the end medical outcome uh, of these interventions is sterility. And so what you're talking about is sterilizing children who are really presenting with mental health issues. Um, look, it bears a lot of resemblance to eating disorders uh, and cutting. Mm. So particularly teenage girls who are facing psychological stresses have in the past um, attempted to transform their bodies by starving themselves or by cutting themselves. And when the adults saw teenage girls doing this, they recognized this as a problem, as a mental health problem, and they rallied around uh, coordinating all the adults to address the underlying depression and anxiety that was leading to disorders like uh, like eating disorders and cutting. The difference here is that when these teenage girls come to school and say, uh, I, I want to transform my body because I think I'm a boy, um, the, the adults at school are saying, good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, instead of saying, look, maybe what's going on here is that you're having some other issues and we could help you. We could talk with your parents. We can, we can help coordinate all the adults to address the depression and anxiety that you have. And maybe that will help resolve this feeling you have that you are in the wrong body rather than affirming and saying you should transform your body. We should, we should instead be treating this like we treat eating disorders or cutting. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's so backwards. I mean, this is but this is what happens, Jay, when you when you boot God from society, when you boot God from any type of standard that we have, you just start making up stuff, and, and you think that things that are abnormal uh, and deviant behavior they they get pitched as normal and they should be embraced and they should be promoted and so on and so forth. But Jay, how many how many youth end up getting older, moving into adulthood, and years down the road, how many of these youth that participate in this, that take place in this um, gender dysphoria or struggle with this, how many of them end up regretting or conforming to how they were uh, naturally designed by their creator? So we don't have systematic data on this because it's too new in the U.S. Right, so so long you'd need a long time for long-term data to be available. So the the gender uh, affirming care craze in the U.S. Um, did not even exist before 2010, and really started going strong around 2015. So it's only a few years old. Now we have lots of anecdotes of regret, uh, and we know from England, which started earlier, that there are hot, much higher rates of regret. Um, but, you know, regret's also a complicated thing. Once people make some incredibly life-transforming decisions, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance to push them to rationalize it as good, uh, even if it's quite bad for them. So not everyone would say this is bad for me, even if it is, in fact, a bad choice and that they might deep down somehow regret it. Um, so that, that complicates the issue of trying to track regret as well. Um, but but look, um, the point is that when people present them, themselves with mental health issues, 
um, the first thing should not be to put them on drugs that will change their bodies forever, right? Mm -hmm. I think we could agree that we shouldn't be doing that and that, that we should take the most cautious, minimalist interventions possible, address psychological issues first, and have all the adults coordinating to help children, including the parents, and not keeping things secret from parents. Um, th these are just basic tenets of good medical practice that are being thrown out the door here because of, of a gender ideology. And look, I agree with you. I think that there is a, a religious dimension to this in, in the sense that, um, you know, if, if, if you don't believe in God, then I guess you think you are God and you can transform yourself. You mm. create yourself. Um, who's in charge? Me or, or God, right? And, yeah. and I think that, that you're entirely right in identifying that as, as part of the issue. Yeah, and we're, we're designed so intricately, and even secular scientists acknowledge this. I mean, we're, desi we're designed so intricately, so everything is pieced together in our bodies and our anatomy with such perfection— um, such that it wasn't an accident, you know, we didn't, we weren't just a clob, you know, on the, on the, on the seashore, you know, millions of years ago. Um, so if you, if you don't appreciate that and, and teach our, our young people to, to value and appreciate how they were designed, then you really begin to be detached from our, from our overall purpose, um, uh, of being male and female. Uh, but Jay, in, in your in your uh, commentary that's published on the heritage.org website, uh, you do get into some practical steps that state policymakers at the state level can begin to implement that that will hope hopefully fend this off or at least slow this terrible trend down. Sure. I mean, the first thing we need to do is stop social transition in schools in secret from parents. That is, schools should never be um, facilitating uh, changes in names, pronouns, bathrooms, etc., without uh, uh, informing and consulting and getting consent from parents. That should never be happening. So, so a relatively straightforward law would be a name and pronoun law, that schools cannot use a different name or pronoun for a child than what is on their birth record unless they have written permission from parents. Um, so to, at, a, at a minimum, what that does is it forces schools to consult with parents, get consent from parents before facilitating any kind of social transition. Hmm. Uh, and that would slow this process down dramatically. The other thing we can do is raise eligibility requirements for medical transition, for access to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. And we could do that by raising minimum ages, making stricter criteria for who is eligible to receive it. And also increasing the the legal liability for practitioners who do these things cause harm uh, and sterility to these children, and if they later regret it as adults, they should be able to sue the people who did this to them, um, uh, uh, who um, inflicted a harm on them without their consent. Yeah, that, that's that. Th those are all three very common sense approaches that need to be taken asap. Because, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of uh, a lot of these individuals end up coming back to their senses, as it sa said, and they 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 have massive regrets, and and they 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 has, there's no recourse. I mean that the damage is done, so to speak, and there's no going back. And I just, my heart just breaks for people 
who 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, realize that what they did, what, what, was, what was done was wrong, and they want to take it back, but there's no way to take it back. Um, Look, and, there are reasons why we, we, you know, don't let children make, you know, irreversible medical decisions. Um, they're children, right? And right. Um, uh, we don't even let kids get tattoos um, uh, without parental consent. And in some states, they're not even allowed to get it with parental consent because it's, it's considered to be an irreversible act that children shouldn't be able to do. Um, and it's, it's not clear why puberty blockers and, and cross-sex hormones should be treated differently from tattooing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't even, we can't even spank kids at public schools without getting a consent form. And even, and even some, right. some districts don't even allow paddling or spanking altogether. hundred percent banned. We can't do that up in here, but we can, we can inject drugs into their body uh, and cut on them and, and, and absolutely destroy their physical anatomy. Hey, Jay, thanks so much for covering this issue with Heritage and digging deep into it and bringing us uh, what's going on in the U.K. and how we can learn from it. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you. All right. That's uh, Jay Green over at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, so the United Kingdom is, they're coming to their senses. Um, they uh, realized after years of this insanity that it's not working. It's just not working how they thought it would. And, you know, you, you know we're at a dark place morally when we begin to embrace deviancy. And, and this is not just exclusive to gender dysphoria or transgenderism, but as a society, I mean, I've got a story about how California just passed a law they're going to start facilitating these narcotic drug sites. California is going to set up drug sites for you to use illegal narcotics in the name of safe drug use. I mean, when are we just going to say, no, this is wrong and we're not going to do it? That's the problem with our society is we feel as though we are our own little gods, and any deviant behavior that we want to do, we feel we are entitled to. That is the problem, folks. That is the problem. God set up boundaries. God set up institutions, one is which the family, to help restrain our evil desires. So we have to embrace rules, and we have to embrace standards. That's God's design. We'll be back in a few Sadly, there's an effort to identify true Christianity as imposter Christianity by redefining three words, white, Christian, and nationalism. Combined as white Christian nationalism, things change to hostility, division, and demonization. But what's the truth? I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Join me and attorney David New as we consider what imposter Christianity, setting the record straight, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net. 
and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time and this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. The Truth For Youth Bible has been instrumental in more than 25,000 young people receiving Christ over the last 20 years. When I was 10 years old, my parents got a divorce. I felt so worthless. A few days ago, my friend Monica gave me a Truth For Youth Bible. As I was reading the comics, I felt like Jesus was giving me a big warm hug. And I know that sounds weird, but that's how I felt. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and the Truth For Youth Bible explained to me how to do that. It healed so many emotional hurts that I had. It changed my life. AFR and Revival Fires International want to get 60,000 Bibles into the hands of teens. This week, we're giving every youth 13 to 18 a free Truth For Youth Bible if they promise to give it to a friend at school. Order yours today at 800-733-4737. That's 800-733-4737 between 8.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Central. Or visit truthforyouth.com anytime. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core. Well, if you thought I was making up the California story about the state approving of illegal drug use sites that are operated by professional physicians, I'm not lying. Definitely not making this one up. This is from uh, Breitbart.com, dated August 3rd. So this was about a week ago. Democrats passed a bill to allow more drug use sites in California. The uh, legislation, Senate Bill 57, describes its purpose as follows. This bill, until January 1, 2028, Authorize the city and county of San Francisco, the county of Los Angeles, and the city of Los Angeles, the city of Oakland, to approve entities to operate overdose prevention programs for persons that satisfy specified requirements, including, among other things, providing a hygienic space supervised by trained staff where people who use drugs can consume pre-obtained drugs, meaning illegal drugs that they just purchased off the street, providing sterile consumption supplies, providing access or referrals to substance use disorder treatment, and that program be staffed by authorized and trained personnel that will provide emergency administration of an opioid antagonist as defined by existing law. 
Uh, it, it goes on to exempt those individuals from any type of um, criminal charges for participating in the illegal drug operation. Um, that's in California. That's in California. So instead of instead of funding rehab programs or dispatching law enforcement to crack down on the illegal opioid industry and how it's flooding across our southern border. No, and we're not going to work on that stuff. No need to work on that. We're just going to help people who have addictions. We're going to help them stay addicted. That's a that's a winning approach. People struggle with substance abuse. Let's help them stay addicted to these substances. What a what a morally depraved approach. What a morally depraved approach. We value our neighbors so much that we're going to help them stay addicted to these drugs. We're going to help them stay at the lowest point in their life. We're going to make it, quote-unquote, safe for them to maintain their addiction. Terrible approach. Very, very immoral. I wouldn't want to be there on Judgment Day. When these people have to stand before the throne of God. How did you treat your neighbor? What did you do to improve your society? Another story I wanted to talk about is, uh, this one's a, a clip off of, well, two things in regards to, we talked for a segment about all the Obama scandals. Then we talked about how supposedly Biden didn't know about the Mar-a-Lago raid, right? He's a president. He's over the FBI and the DOJ, but he had no idea that they were going to raid the former president's home and how that's not believable. I want to bet that Biden absolutely knew, the White House absolutely knew, all about the inner workings of the FBI targeting Biden's political opponent, Donald J. Trump. Well, Jesse Waters, just the other night, had on the stalwart Lindsey Graham, the tough senator from South Carolina, the one that's going to get to the bottom of all of it. (laughs) Jesse Waters had on Lindsey Graham, And the response from Lindsey Graham to the raid of Mar-a-Lago was so weak that even Jesse Waters called it out. Clip three, let's listen to this. Why they had to raid President Trump's home 90 days before an election. Yeah, you know, and I love having you on, Lindsey. You know, you and I have debated about things, and I've seen you pretty spitting mad over Ukraine. But you don't seem as mad as you were about this, than you've been (laughs) mad about Ukraine. I don't understand why people aren't lighting their hair on fire. I don't understand why people aren't out in the streets. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, let's just see what's in the warrant. I mean, they've been doing this. This is the third election. This is the third election. We know they doctor evidence. We know they plant evidence. We know they hide evidence. We know they lie. We know they leak. (laughs) I mean, this is not anything new. This has been this has been years they've been doing this. We can't just say, oh, you know, we're waiting for the guy to come out and and give a statement about what is predicate. I mean, what? These people are out of control, Senator. This country is at, like, we're on the edge of a cliff, man. I'm telling you, this country is at the edge of a cliff here. Well, thank you, Jesse Waters. Somebody finally called Lindsey Graham out for being weak. And as uh, the former president used to say, (laughs) low energy, like Jeb Bush, low energy. 
And and Jesse Waters is right. I mean, Lindsey Graham gets gets all worked up about Afghanistan, and he gets all worked up and and spitting mad about Ukraine. But but let's let's send the FBI, the corrupt FBI, let's send them to raid a former president's residence. And and and, and it's it's a low life and it's a it's low energy and and we just need to look into this and and the Republicans will investigate this. I mean, who's tired of this? I don't really want another investigation. I don't I don't really want the Republicans to investigate anything. Because what's going to come of it? Are we going to spend millions of dollars of taxpayer resources to run these congressional investigations? And then half of the Democrats don't respond to the subpoenas. And so you don't get the right witnesses. And at the end of the day, we put out some fancy report about how the Democrats broke all the laws and we're not going to do anything about it. I mean, let's get serious here. I mean, what is a serious response to this corrupt Department of Justice and corrupt FBI? Corrupt from the very top. What's a serious response to this? What's a lasting response? Because the, you know, the going on Fox and the the going on CNN and the political talking points and this is third world country stuff and what are we in a banana republic? Okay, okay, okay that, all that sounds good and it helps build your public case. But what lasting measure can we do to ensure that the clowns at the FBI never hold the reins of the FBI again? Okay, well, let's start talking lasting approaches, lasting solutions. Well, one, and I'm just throwing out ideas here. I haven't run this through the policy experts. But why don't we just get rid of, why don't we just fire and dismantle the entire headquarters of the FBI and DOJ in Washington, D.C. Let's just start with that. Some people have talked about, let's just dismantle the DOJ and FBI altogether, like all the field agents around the country. Let's just get rid of them all. Let's, let's, let's fire them all and start over from scratch. And that actually might be the best idea. But at a minimum, let's close down national headquarters in Washington, D.C. DOJ, FBI, both together, close it down completely. Anyone who has an office in the FBI building in Washington, D.C., you are starting today fired. And we're going to rebuild this agency from scratch. We'll keep the special agents out in the field, let them do their thing. But the, but the, the headquarters, you're done for. The headquarters, we're doing away with it, and we're starting over. I mean, that's actually sounds pretty good. That may not be far enough. I don't know. Because some of these special agents out on the field are doing the bidding of the Biden administration. We've seen that before. And so that that's like, let's if we want to talk about this stuff, let's talk about what we can do to ensure it doesn't happen again. But all Lindsey Graham, all Mitch McConnell, and all many of these politicians want to do is talk big and bad and then say we're going to we're going to launch investigations but but okay do it but but as far as fixing permanent providing permanent fixes to these problems they have little to offer 
They have little to offer, and that's why many uh, voters in the Republican Party have been frustrated is because of the lack of meaningful action, the lack of meaningful action uh, that is going to ensure that our country is respected again, that our justice system is respected again. Uh, We need some pretty bold actions in order to ensure this stuff doesn't continue. And, And President Trump was working on some pretty bold actions. Obviously not bold enough because he hired Chris Ray. Chris Ray, who signed off on the raid of Donald Trump's residence. Yeah, Donald Trump hired him. So that apparently wasn't a good idea. And so President Trump's reforms weren't radical enough. Uh, So maybe if he gets in again, maybe they'll be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more radical. Well, in in New York, right outside of Trump Tower, Tower, there's been protests out there. Imagine that, protest. And one of the individuals that was protesting, claiming that Donald Trump is a criminal and he needs to be put in jail, he was questioned by Newsmax. So what crimes has Donald Trump committed? And listen to this comedy clip five. Let's listen. Is this unprecedented to arrest a former president for not well, turning in documents? Well, I former president that had committed this many provable criminal acts. But what are the provable criminal acts, I guess? Provable criminal acts. Well, all right, I'm just, I, I, I'm done talking. All right. There you have it. That's, that, that was not, that wasn't comedy. It's comical, but that wasn't comedy. That was an actual interview outside of Trump Tower where one of these left-wing radicals said, you know, all these provable crimes, that's why Donald Trump ought to go to jail. And the reporter said, can you name a provable crime? He goes, <clears> hmm. <throat> Provable crime. Mm. I'm done talking here. (laughs) That shows how shallow their emotions are, how shallow their thought is, that when they're questioned, just tell us one crime. Just, Just one. Tell us one. And he can't come up with even one. Well, uh, this one's, this one's, uh, this one's a whopper here. This story is out of Breitbart as well. But, you know, I just got done talking about how often the Republicans have no real solutions, no lasting solutions. All they want to do is launch congressional investigations into everything. Well, uh, another example of, of weakness coming out of the Republican Party is what Representative Nancy Mace, Republican South Carolina, said on Meet the Press this past week. She was questioned about... The issue of abortion and what is your view of abortion? What is your stance on abortion? And she ends up arguing for abortion. This is a Republican supposed to be adhering to the Republican Party platform that says abortion is immoral and should be outlawed. She goes on to argue about how we need to have abortion. This is Representative Mace from South Carolina. Let's listen. Fifteen states right now Mm want to criminalize the doctor. Okay, want to make the basically if there's a crime committed here, it's not the not the woman, it would be the doctor. As you know, you already talked about the problem of getting OBGYN into to practicing in rural South Carolina. A lot of these OBGYNs don't want to practice in states with these restrictive laws because they don't know, you know, they have to sit here and and wait to declare an emergency to to intervene medically. And so they figure, you know what, I'm going to practice medicine in a state that makes the abortion law safe. 
How do you do this? How do you fix this federally? It is going to be an issue. I do think that Congress, because Roe v. Wade was overturned, that we do have an opportunity here to work together to ensure that um, that those things don't take place. And you can do that at the federal level with legislation. But in this particular issue, it's going to take Republicans and Democrats working together to get it in a place where you can do it in a bicameral fashion, in a bipartisan fashion, and pass legislation. And I think you can look at gestational limits that are yeah. reasonable for most Americans. Um, but also, you've got, and one of my concerns is you've got states that uh, are going to try to ban women from traveling, that don't, that if you're raped, that you've got to report it to the police. Well, I was raped when I was 16. And it took me a week to tell my mother. By that time, any evidence would have been gone. Um, and the, the violation of a woman's privacy, I can't tell you how traumatic that event was in my life. In my own home state, they want women to be required and mandated to report yeah. uh, when they are raped. And I just can't even imagine a world where you're a girl, a teenage girl who's been raped to have to report those things. And, you know, Handmaid's Tale was not supposed to be a roadmap, right? Yeah. Um, this is a place where we can be we can be in the center, we can protect life, and we can protect uh, where people are on both sides of the aisle. And so it's important to take that perspective, and that's the perspective that Congress but, should have yeah. on everything that we do. But as you know, we're just so divided. Bottom line, do you think it is bad if the Republican Party becomes the party of abortion bans? Well, I am staunchly pro-life. I have a 100% pro-life voting record. <laughs> I do think that it, it will be an issue in November if we're not moderating ourselves, that we are including exceptions for women who've been raped, for girls who are All victims right, of incest. All right, there you have it. So, so Representative Mace from South Carolina, listen to this. She's arguing for elective abortions no matter the reason. That's why she said you shouldn't have to report the rape. You shouldn't have to report it. That means you can raise your hand and say, I've been raped and be completely lying and kill your baby. But then she goes on to say, I'm 100% I'm pro-life. I'm 100% pro-life. No, you just spent three minutes arguing about why certain people should be able to kill their babies. That's not 100% pro-life. Folks, it's time that these people that lie get put out of office. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.